This is Dark Blue. My name is Jeff Rickley. In this podcast, we'll be exploring the challenges that people face when they choose a life in the arts. On each episode, we'll talk to a different artist about a range of topics, from addiction to depression, to what it feels like to lose a collaborator to suicide. And we'll try to find the tools that they've used to lead healthy lives in a field that has few guidelines. Today, I'll be speaking with two guitar players that I admire. First, the songwriter and guitarist of seminal 90s band, Texas is the Reason, Norman Brannan. And second, Steve Padula, guitarist of my own band, Thursday. These two men have more in common than just their guitars. They're both storytellers, Steve, with his camera, has been behind the lens of news broadcasts and feature-length independent movies from directors like Craig Zobel and David Gordon Green. Norman, on the other hand, is responsible for the most personal hardcore zine, perhaps, of all time, Antimatter. Several years ago, the two of them collaborated on the documentary Kill the House Lights for our band Thursday. But they have one more thing in common. Both Norman and Steve are gay men who've had the experience of touring extensively before they were out to the public or even to the members of their own band. Today, we dive deep into band dynamics, therapy, and what it means to have healthy secrets. I'm Norman Brannon, and I'm probably best known as the guitar player for Texas is the Reason. I'm Steve Padula. I will be the voice identified with lots of mumbles, <laughs> and uh, I am in the host Jeff Rickley's band Thursday, or yes. our band. I should say our band. Our band, yeah. Yes. Are we in therapy right now? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh man, I feel like uh, that's almost like a good, a good spot to start. It's <laughs> <laughs> therapy because we're all in bands for such a long time yeah. that it's like. Um, that I think therapy in a band situation is kind of an interesting thing because, like, most people's idea of therapy in a band thing is the Metallica movie, I was right? Say, right? That's all many yeah, people yeah. think of is some kind of monster. Yeah. Right. And, uh, and, like, Steve, you know how much I've been thinking about that lately, but, like, one of the things that's sort of, like, it's become sort of a joke, right? It's, like, the idea that you could get together in a room with your band and you could hash things out, and then you're going to bring like, the therapist into the studio, and you're going to make some like recovery record, and what's the best you could hope for, right? It's like St. Anger? Is that really the best you can do, right? I honestly don't think it works with a band dynamic. With a band dynamic therapy at all? I don't, yeah, no. Interesting. Have you ever been involved in it, or have no. you just seen it from kind of an outside perspective? The thing is, there's too many, there's too many um, parts to the puzzle, right? Once you have, I mean, two people, three people, Four, five, six people like Thursday. Are you crazy? Crazy? No. It's just there's too many variables, and so there's no way to get some sort of suggested outcome with that many sort of pots in the air. I mean, I so think, think it's just an uncontrolled experiment, kind of, sort of. Kind of. I feel. I feel like the outcome of that experiment is more likely to wind up in the therapist needing extreme therapy. <laughs> right. You know what right. I mean? Because you'll just like there's too much for them to digest at once. When I did your movie, yeah. yeah, you know, the thing that I said to you guys was just that you really need to start talking to each other yeah. because right. it was 
legitimately insane how I was talking to six different people that in a lot of ways it didn't feel like you were ever on the same page about a lot of things. Mm -hmm. Now that is different than saying we need therapy. So, yeah. and, and the reason being is because therapy maybe inspires or, or compels people to be honest and to say things they wouldn't say otherwise. And I don't always think that it's healthy to be 100% <laughs> honest and to say all those things. <laughs> I think that that is, you know, there are some things where you can keep to yourself, yeah. you know, that won't necessarily boil over. You know, they're just, you know, but you have to know how to look at them. So maybe you also need to have healthy boundaries where you you're not hiding that you're not telling something. You're saying, right. I'm not telling you something because it's my business yeah. or whatever. Right, right. right, right. Or because you just know that no good would come from it, <laughs> right? Like in a relationship with somebody, there's always stuff. I don't care how in love people say they are. <laughs> Every couple has those things where you're just not going to, like, you might even intuitively know that your partner feels that way about you or thinks this thing about you, but they don't need to vocalize it. Right. <laughs> no good comes from that. Well, I've heard it said, you know, you're only as healthy as your secrets, which I think people take as like, you can't be healthy if you have secrets. Yeah. But I don't, I actually have never thought that that's what it meant. I thought it meant like, as long as your secrets are healthy, like you have healthy secrets and like, you know what they are and you're keeping track of them and stuff. Right. And you're like, I know, I know what I'm not telling you. And like, you're allowed to have an interior. Right. Right. That saying does mean something when you have, uh, um, you know, secrets that are hurting you or others. Right. But, you know, otherwise, you're allowed to have your own thoughts and keep things to yourself if you don't feel like vocalizing them is going to do good. Mm -hmm. Have you ever, in a band dynamic, say Texas is probably the longest running one that has a continuous through line somewhere in it, yeah. um, have you ever had a situation where you had to tell the band a secret? You, you felt like this is the time I have to tell them a secret? Maybe when we broke up. Had <laughs> <laughs> that been sitting with you for a while before you like let the band know? And, well, and I assume you're saying that you wanted to break the band up. Yeah, <laughs> well I remember, you know, it sort of started with Chris um, because, you know, when I, when I sort of vocalized it for the first time, it was on tour, we were in Europe, it was like four in the morning in Sweden, and we were watching The Simpsons on the bus, and, uh, and I just, it literally just came out. And I think that's the thing too, like sometimes secrets, they do have a boiling point, and they do just come out. Right. And there's not necessarily a, a time or place for them where you're just going to be like, guys, we got to talk. Mm -hmm. It could just be at 4 a.m. watching The Simpsons where you turn around and say, I want to break up the band. I think I remember, Steve, I, you, I want to see if you have a similar memory, but I remember when we kind of decided to end the band, um, there was almost like a feeling in the room that was just like it's just going to keep getting worse and like somebody better say something. That's the way I remember. But I'm curious as to like, if you remember that practice where it was like, everything was going wrong and like there were already members gone and there were like, yeah, I, I remember it first coming to light when we, we were on the phone mm -hmm. and I think I was complaining about something as usual. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and then you were like, you know what? <laughs> I think, I think we got to, Stop. <laughs> That's yeah. kind of how I remember it, but then also, but that was just a conversation between the two of us. I kind of don't right. remember how it was broken to everyone. I think I said I had the microphone. And I was like, "This isn't working, is it?" Yeah. It was in a practice. Oh, it was okay. just like, 
I thought it was at a show. I was like, oh, what? No, 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 no. No, I've tr- mostly tried to keep those kinds of things inside, but I haven't done a great job either. I, I've had a hard time keeping interior not exterior. I think in general, I, I have that same problem. Although, uh, like... Uh, probably sh- there was no good that was going to come from that, yeah. Right. <laughs> in Thursday, there was there was times where we were probably the most open with each other that we were ever open with any any people at yeah. times. And other times where it was, like, just when everybody had their own secrets. There were maybe yeah, yeah. two people at a time that knew one secret. Right. But then they didn't know another secret between that same person and a different person. Mm-hmm. And six people, there are a lot of permutations of secrets yeah. to be kept. Well, that's why the I say that the... You know, it's cliche when bands are like, the band is my family. But it's more than just saying that I'm really close to these people. It's it's actually really sort of mirrors the family dynamic in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. You know, you really... You feel stuck with this person like not in a negative way (laughs) but like just saying like I'm sort of like once a band hits a certain place like I know I knew with Texas once we hit a certain place I remember thinking in my head these guys are going to be a part of my life forever Mm. whether I like it or not and whether the band's together or not Mm. it just is going to be that way and I think that that's how the whole, at least our band, sort of looks at it. And because it's a family dynamic, you have those situations where the family splinters off, you know, talk shit about each other, uh-huh. you know. And, you know, there is the element of it's all love, and sometimes it's not. And sometimes families, <laughs> Let's be honest, sometimes families hate each other. It <laughs> fucking happens. But the dynamic is very similar. Uh-huh. How about you, Steve? You have a, you have a big family. Like, uh, do you it, find similarities in it? I find similarities, yeah, for sure, to family. But I always, like, even with my limited <laughs> limited experience there, but I, I always uh, equated it to having several, uh, like, partners, like boyfriends, mm. girlfriends, whatever, mm. you know, like, at once. And it's kind of like, ooh, like polygamy? Kind of, <laughs> <laughs> never thought of it that way. <laughs> but just kind of like, uh, you know, this person doesn't like it. You know, like, you know, bus living or hotel living, you know, or whatever. This person person doesn't like it when you brush your teeth this way or you know don't brush your teeth in front of me or whatever like there's all those little nuances that would happen in a relationship but don't you guys have that thing where you know you're like okay dad or okay you know what I mean like I think it's more subtext I think it came out like after the after we did the documentary like I think that was sort of more on the surface and certainly after breaking up I think everyone sort of Acknowledge more of their roles in that way, like yeah, the mom and the dad, and the you know, the you know, you have like Tucker running around like the kid, or, or <laughs> yeah, you know, whoever you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, Andrew's like the serious like nerdy dude in the corner, and like right. Tom's the art guy. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there's yeah, it's for not sure. just a family. It's like a, a Steve Martin family comedy. Like right. everybody has like such a prescribed role. It's like almost like it's like flattened out. Right. It's like <laughs> real. Right. Roles are just are not just for boy bands. Right. Totally. <laughs> 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 You know, we used to hear that it's like being married to five people. That's right, yeah, that's kind right. Of the thing. Yeah. But it is, in some ways, it is more complicated because you're like, even if the band breaks up, it's not going to be almost as clean as a divorce where you're like, I'm just not going to talk to you anymore. Like, yeah. it's like, no, I'm going to have to. Forever. <laughs> Forever I'm going to have to talk I mean, to you. it's funny. Like, Gary and I didn't talk for two and a half, maybe three years mm-hmm. after the band broke up. But it always seemed inevitable mm-hmm. that one of us at some point was going to say, hey, this is stupid. 
mm. let's talk. Right. And it happened. It seems like a lot, I find those situations where there's like, just like that stalemate thing between two people. Most of the time, all it takes is those two people like winding up in the same room together. You know, I feel like, and then you're like, you see each other and you're like, right. What was I even mad about? Or yeah. like, what what is this grudge about? Or whatever, you know? And sometimes you don't wind up in the same room together and that sucks, but you right. know, maybe that's what it's supposed to be, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I think for me with the band dynamic, like, you know, when you started talking about family, it made me really think about the fact that I don't have any brothers or sisters, I'm an only child, and so like Thursday for me was my experience of like socializing into having brothers. Mm-hmm. And like, that was a really intense, experience that I didn't have any prep, prep for really. You know, yeah, it's like all of a sudden, all of a sudden I have these people that are always around me and I love it. Cause like, as an only child, like all I ever wanted was to have people to like hang out with and play with and stuff. But like, I didn't always handle it well because I didn't know the ups and downs of that situation when it's all the time. Mm-hmm. I'd only ever had right. it at school or whatever, you know, and we're, we're living together more than 10 months a year sometimes. Right. So, it was a really intense thing, and then the idea of losing it when we broke up was sort of an intense thing, too, because I thought, like, they'll be gone, and I have no family, like, to fall back on like that. So, and for me, I guess if we're stretching out the metaphors of whatever, like, my marriage also ended on the same kind of right. tour that... Your actual marriage. Bitch, my actual marriage <laughs> to the actual woman that I married um, ended on the same tour that, that Thursday stopped touring, and... Um, you know, it's just sort of daunting. I don't think I necessarily, I don't think I was sure that I, I would talk to these guys again, or I certainly didn't think we'd be playing again. I was probably the most nihilistic in that regard. Mm-hmm. I was like, probably not gonna happen. For me, it was like the next day, I was like, I would be surprised if we never played again. It was right. just like, because like I was, you remember, I was a, I was a mess. Like we'd be at practice and I'd be like bawling, you know, <laughs> like, like couldn't couldn't talk, couldn't communicate, but I'd play any songs and like if the sometimes like it almost it had that thing where it's like once we decided to do that like playing the songs took on a whole different meaning and right. feeling and experience. As bad as it felt before we decided, as soon as we decided it got good again. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah, yeah, it was weird. I will I will say that for as many people criticize bands who do more than one last show. Uh-huh. Regardless, the last show is such a good feeling right. that like I could do that show over and over again right. and still feel like really strong about it. Yeah, I mean, in some ways, it reminds us that all this stuff is so ephemeral. Like it's here and then it's gone. You know what I mean? Like life is here and then it's gone. And like all these things that we think about being facts of life, like they're just they won't have been playing that long. You know what I mean? Like no matter how long you stretch out a band, twenty years of some piece of art, and then it's gone because yeah. the records aren't the same. You see the band live, especially in their prime. And it's like, whoa. Right. You know, that's a whole different thing. And that doesn't last. Sometimes when I see bands kind of stretch out the last show thing, I'm like, good for them. They're reminding us, like, that this won't be here forever. Right. We're going to take a break now and have a word from the people who make Dark Blue possible. Osiris. This podcast is in the loop. The Legion of Osiris podcasts. Osiris connects people like you with podcasts, videos, and live experiences about artists and topics you love. Check out OsirisPod.com and sign up for the newsletter to stay in the loop about new podcasts and events. In the last part of this podcast, we finally get to the question of what it's like to tour when you're in the closet, even to your own bandmates. 
I'm not sure how much either of you has talked about this, but I find it really... I mean, related to the touring part, yeah, I don't know that I've ever really thought about it, to be honest. Like, I think, uh, you know, we have, like, we have those walls that we build up on tour naturally, regardless of what it is that the wall, what's behind the wall. Right. I think everybody has that a little bit. Um... I would say that the the two. It's funny because in Texas, and maybe that's because of the type of band we were and the specific era that we were operating in. There was still this level of complete asexuality in the scene. Mm -hmm. Nobody was having sex. Mm -hmm. Nobody. So I think that in that particular touring situation with that particular band, um, I don't think I thought about it at all. Mm -hmm. I don't think it ever came up even. Was it something that when you were touring with Texas, you knew you, you knew yeah. about yourself by then? For I knew about myself when I was five. Okay. Um, and when did you come out? What age? I mean, I would say when it was common knowledge, I uh-huh. would say it was right after Texas broke up, like the okay. year after. Um, that's when I think, and I never really like came out. I never told anybody like, we've got to have a talk. I think the only person that I ever came out to, and this was on tour, this was actually after Texas broke up, I did a tour with Shelter. Uh And when we were coming home from either Europe or Hawaii, I was sitting with Purcell. And I don't remember how we got into the conversation, but we started talking about um, this uh, mutual friend of ours, Adam, from Connecticut. And Purcell made some comment about how Adam was the only hardcore kid in the scene he'd ever met that was gay. And I was, like, sitting there, like, really? The only one? (laughs) (laughs) And he was like, well, yeah, like, who else, you know? And I was like, me? And he's like, what? You know, know, completely just blindsided him, never thought about it. And, um... And I remember, like, you know, that was kind of fun, you know, because, you know, I never really felt like I had to come out to anybody. It just sort of became common knowledge. But obviously, like, he never got that memo. Uh And so that was that. I'll be honest with you. And, you know, I don't want to embarrass Purcell. (laughs) But I did feel like on that tour after I came out to him that there were certain weird things uh-huh. like I did feel like he was uh, more self-conscious changing clothes around me for a little bit uh-huh. <laughs> or things like that okay. which were sort of I mean he may completely disagree and say that wasn't the case but that's how it felt mm-hmm. um, and so I think that that was a moment in time where maybe I felt a little bit weird and uncomfortable sure it. Well, I think, you know, it's interesting if Purcell were to say, you know, of course not. What are you talking about? There's the stuff that we know about ourselves and there's the stuff that we don't know about ourselves. And there's the part of society's general attitudes that we've internalized in ways that we don't know about, too. And here's the fact is that even whether he was consciously or unconsciously doing that, uh, it, it sort of doesn't matter. I know that Purcell's not a homophobe. Right. You know? But I do think but that... But you felt... But people... Something. We have different, like, um, ways of, of dealing with that information, right? It's not... You know, he may... Maybe it was just a thing where he's like, whoa, I've never shared a hotel room with a gay guy before. You know? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and I'm not going to fault him for that. Everybody uh-huh. has a learning curve. For sure. I mean, you know, I always talk about how when my, uh, my god's son came out as trans... Mm-hmm. And now is is uh, living as a woman, and um, 
you know, I had a learning curve, and I have trans friends, I have people, you know, I have exposure to this community, I'm in it, and yet I was still sort of like, are you sure? You know, it was still very, like, I still had that weird, like, parental concern. Right. The same sort of learning curve you have when you come out to your parents. Yep. And they're just like, I just want you to be happy, I want you to be safe, I want you to be, you know, and they yeah. think about all the worst possible things. Um, so I, 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 I'm not going to fault anybody for their own learning curves. Uh, yeah, that's... Um, did everybody in Texas know by the end, do you think? Or was there a time at which they... Or did you guys just not talk about it so much that it truly didn't matter? It just never... Yeah, it just never mattered. And you didn't feel like, I can't be myself around them. It was just sort of like, they know me as, it wasn't, as I am. It wasn't them. It was everything else. Okay. So I didn't want to be a gay guitar player. Mm-hmm. I, I had that hang up, I think, mm-hmm. when I was sort of like coming up, and maybe you did too. Like, I never thought. I don't think I thought of it that way. Um, I was just scared. I think it was. I think for me, it was more um, like so. For your, your example of like whether you know, obviously, we're saying like. To be clear, like we both know Porcel's not a homophobic guy. Right. But like that same like I always had that worry of like, okay, I don't want my friendships and my relationships I don't want certain aspects of them to change. Right. Yeah. And that to me I think was the most terrifying part of it. Cause then it like, you know, someone that's like scared of like, oh, this guy's gonna just think about having sex with me all the time now. It's like, dude, right. that's not how like you you internalize all this stuff, you know. Right. And at that point for me it was like, um, I also had realized like um, it had built up to a uh, a bubble that was just like I out of nowhere I would be like why am I crying right now? Like, what the hell is happening? <laughs> and I was, remember talking to uh, my friend Paul, who, like, he knew. He's, like, one of the only people I had told. I had told two people, I think, at that time. And he was, like, and I, I think I was, like, bitching to him about X, Y, and Z with the band and blah, blah, blah. And he's, like, dude, I'm pretty sure you know that none of what you're talking about is about the band. <laughs> 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 and, and, and it had just gotten to a point where I was, like, I feel so just mental, mentally and physically terrible that if there's a chance that coming out will alleviate that, I have to find out, you know? Right. And then it just was like, all right, like, here we go. Then it becomes this other thing in your head where you're like, like, you know, counter to what you're saying. Like, I felt the need to, like, come here, listen to me. I have to tell you something about me, you know? Right. Even though it's, like, one of those things where it's like, Anyone that's known me for an extended period of time, it's like, dude, you've never heard me talk about girls. You've never seen me dating a girl. Like, the writing sort of was always on the wall. Right. I mean, other than... I will say that I don't think most of the guys in Thursday knew I either way. Because yeah. we'd be that's like, I, I don't know, does Steve, Steve date? Like, I don't know, is he, is he gay? Is he straight? Like, yeah. do we know anything about Steve's personal <laughs> life? You know, just Who kind of plays like, guitar for a man? Like, 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 he's such an angry motherfucker. <laughs> Everybody needs a little love, you know. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. kind of like that. Yeah, like, for sure. He does seem angry, and but well, I do think that you know. So, for example, like right now, I think uh-huh. I take this real pride in being a gay guitar player, right? Uh-huh. Uh, in being a gay musician, a great creative, or, or whatever it is that I'm doing. Uh-huh. It's part of. You know, I feel like it's part of an entire uh, tradition and sort of like almost ethnic tradition <laughs> sure, of sorts right. that I feel very attached to and that I, I want to be a part of. But in 1995, um, 
there was sort of a, it felt like you were just ghettoized and and so that did scare me a little bit when Interesting. when Jason from Promise Ring came out um, he came out in, in an issue of Spin and then I think out did an article after that just sort of to, to sort of dig deeper into the, the gay gayness of it all <laughs> and, uh, and they called me for a background story and the and the writer asked me if I was gay and I said yes but I wouldn't print that <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. yeah. No, he didn't. Uh-huh. Um, you Respect. Know, and so, you know, that was the thing where I just was, he, he he sort of asked a little bit, and I just was like, uh, I'm just not ready to take that identity. Right, right. You know, like, and it was really just about being, you know, ghettoized. I, I already felt ghettoized, I think, as uh, Latino in, in, in sort of punk world or even alternative rock or, like, whatever. Like, I'm just surrounded by white people and that already is something that I was already hyper-conscious of. Now I just didn't want to be a gay Latino <laughs> and be double you know, hyper-conscious about being the only one. See, but the, the other thing to me that's cool about it now, and granted, it's always hindsight is twenty twenty, is like, you know, then you get into the world of stereotypes of like... Uh, like, if you were, like, a DJ and you were like, hey, I'm gay, like, everyone would be like, okay, well, that makes sense. But, like, if you were in, like some heavy heavy band or heavier band or you know like either of our bands it's not not nearly as common right right you know so i think in a way it's more like, celebrated at least right? yeah right i think yeah. that's like a cool thing too and and um and i was also thinking like while you're talking it's like i always had this this like this, you know earlier we we're talking about secrets where i was just like you know like say in paris and flames i'm singing that like one part or whatever like from back then, I remembered, like, this was my little thing of, like, oh, these motherfuckers don't even know I'm gay, and I'm singing this song like, in that world, you know, singing, singing backups to a part of that song, you know? And then even, like, and then, but it was also part of, like, what was, like, ridiculous. It was, like, I'm in a band that is, like, clearly, like, pro-LGBTQ, like, you know, we have songs about it, and I'm scared to tell them. And I'm like, this is stupid, you know? Well, I mean, okay. Okay, so I have a really good friend who, uh, when he was growing up, his dad came out first, mm-hmm. and then his mom came out a few years later, <laughs> and then they got separated and both found their life partners, yeah. and then he became a teenager and was just like, oh my god, I'm gay, I can't be gay, I can't tell them, they're going to think that I'm a failure, you know, because he was, he was supposed to be the, the shining, like, look, two gay people can have a kid, that's totally normal, right, right. and he was like t- horrified, right. he didn't want to tell his two gay parents that right. he was gay. Right. So you are yeah. mad. So there are all kinds of things like that too. And you know, I even like when you came out to me, I think, um, which by the way was a hilarious way to come out. It was like a laundry list of things we had to do. And we just <laughs> snuck it in. It became a thing where for me where it was like once once I got a little bit more comfortable with telling people and you know, you you have those like sort of positive reactions that <clears throat> you get more confident about it and I was like I'm gonna start having fun with this you know <laughs> and like you know and, and then I just would start doing that you know that kind of stuff so yeah but yeah yeah that was it was great but I, rem- I remember afterwards you know started going through like 
did I make him uncomfortable? And you know, you try to make it right. because I think my as a singer, I make everything about myself, obviously, right? Like that's like that's the way you do. And at some point, I was like, he knew that if he came out like around war all the time, we would have been huge, and it would have been like you know, I just started like getting into this like because it would have been like a marketing thing, and the label probably would have been like you know, and they're part gay. And spinning around in my head like yeah he didn't want to bear the weight of this or whatever but like at some point I was like actually it has nothing to do with me it's funny my friend I just support him some of that did uh, cross my mind not in the sense of like the marketing or thinking about like any of that stuff but like I remember when that wave was happening and, and like, before World of Time came out I was like I was already feeling this like um Lack of privacy, like, because the internet at that yeah. point, message yeah. boards, right? right. Like, I remember, just starting. I remember being like on a message board and seeing like some kid being like, uh, "Hey Jeff, what kind of ice cream did you get at that place?" And like him right. being like, "What?" <laughs> right. And he was like, "Yeah, I was watching you. I saw you there." And it was just like, yeah. it, it made me so fucking paranoid of like, if I go meet somebody, like, is somebody gonna see me? And then write about it on the message board, and like, it's out of right. my control. Like, so all those things, and and I actually. I think a friend of mine at that point, like, sort of saw that a little bit and was like, maybe it's easier if you do it now before this wave hits, you know? Right. And I, I like, hit the gas a little bit on it and then was like, <laughs> like, just fucking hit the brakes for several years. Right. right. So, yeah. So, then, I mean, it wasn't the reason, you know? Like, right. the, the reason is just, like, getting comfortable with yourself, I think, you know? For sure. But there's still, like... It's funny, like, so now in the age of social media and, you know, sort of, like, everyone is their own brand, mm-hmm. right? Like, whereas, like, that wasn't even on the radar. I wasn't anything what I was thinking about in 1995. I was literally just, like, I just don't want to be that to be the only thing people ask me in interviews. Right, or right, like right, that, right. You know? Like, but now you have to be, like, this conscious of everything you're creating. And, you know, I think about it, like, because I feel like my social media presence is very bifurcated. Like, on one hand... I a lot of my followers are definitely coming to me from Texas and hardcore and antimatter and mm-hmm. all that. But on the other hand, I have this other wave of followers who don't know anything about that stuff. Right. They're from the gay world and they might know me from the gay blogging world or something like that or just, you know, gay internet. And uh and so sometimes there is still that sort of push and pull where it's like, is this content too gay for half my followers? Right, <laughs> right, 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 you right. know, and there is a point where I'm just sort of like, I just don't care. Yeah. You know, like if that's not the content you want, just unfollow. Right. It's me. That that's sort of been, uh, you know, like you know, once you sort of rip the bandit off, I just kind of go like, whatever. Like people are gonna think what they want to think and not think what they don't want to think, and I don't care. You know, like I'm all right or whatever. Yeah. But I, I know what you mean. There there is also that thing where like there's the. It's like even when you were in school and you were like you were friends with like say you were friends with like some jock kids and then you were friends with like the like the rock kids and then like every once in a while they'd come together and be so awkward like navigating that sometimes is like weird right, right? you're like how do you but that's a and good then, and then you keep them analogy. separate you know I think that's a good analogy because ultimately I do think like I'm sort of bringing them together right, in a right. way yeah. like and it makes me yeah. sort of happy to sort of to get that sort of engagement where possibly yes. you know hardcore kids are seeing gay things gay kid, kids are seeing hardcore things yeah, <laughs> and right. they're sort of like a, mm, this is a very interesting you know yeah, mix yeah. There's, a, there's a kid that I follow on Instagram who recently who up until that point I just thought was just a gay Chicago guy who was into Kesha and you know and he is right. Um, <laughs> right. but he insta-storied the Deaf Heaven show and I was just like ooh 
right on. <laughs> you know, or there's another guy actually also from Chicago uh, who, again, like, I sort of, like, was, uh, he came on my radar from a couple of other gay people in Chicago. And, uh, and I was like, oh, he seems like a nice guy. And I like to follow strangers on Instagram because mm-hmm. I feel like it's just sort of more interesting to me. Right. And, uh, and so I started following him. And then uh, the other day, he, it turned out he plays drums and he posts videos of himself playing drums. And the other day, he posted himself playing a video of him playing drums to when rock and roll was just a baby. Oh, wow. And I was just like, dude, you're awesome. <laughs> and he killed it. Right, he was right. smashing it. I was yeah. like, Daly would be proud. Right, right. That's awesome. That's awesome. I was like, yeah, that's always something that's interesting to navigate too, though, because like, then you're like, all right, like, if you know some, like, say you're on tour and you know some other, you know, musician is gay, it's like, what do you do? Go up to them and be like, hey, man. I do. I'm gay too. <laughs> you do? You think? I absolutely do. Yeah. I think there's like a, there's a camaraderie there that I, I want to, Develop. See, I, I I want that, but I feel so weird about pursuing it or approaching, like, because it just feels like, you know, I always couldn't think of people being like, cool, big deal. Right you now, like, Jackson, the kind of like, right, who cares? Right. But what's, so, what, in my experience, is that I I think that there's this sort of um, I don't even know what the, what sort of word or analogy I could use for it, but I know that there's this just this, some sort of undercurrent of knowledge among gay musicians where everyone knows who each other are, right, right. whether you're in the closet or not, right. Right, right. <laughs> you know, more or less. And uh, and when you see each other, it's completely normal to just be like, hey, what's up, like your old friends. Right. So, like an example of that is someone that I didn't meet until fairly late in the game. Everybody else I knew met. Brian Cook, right? Right. I've said, yeah, but, I haven't crossed paths with him. Okay, so... Other like, than when we played with These Arms of Snakes years ago, right? Yeah, long ago. But, yeah. So, yeah, so basically Brian Cook was just on my radar right. as a person that I knew yeah. was gay in, the, right. in this world. Mm-hmm. And one day I was uh, walking down the street um, over by uh, what used to be Cokie's, you know, the Cookies bar, <laughs> but uh, and I see Brian and his partner, and uh, we just stopped and said, "Hey," and we just sat there and talked for like an hour. Oh, it's on awesome. the street. Yeah. That's so good. And we talked as if we'd known each other forever. Right, right, right. I think that sort of camaraderie exists. And right. I, you know, I've never been um, looked at weird. For Maybe I need to change my shit. Yeah. In recovery, like the thing is, if you're like part of the twelve step program or whatever, it's like. You say like, "Oh, I'm friends with Bill," or like, "Are you friends with my friend Bill?" You right. know, you say stuff like that to kind of like see if somebody you know you hear somebody else is in the program or whatever, right. and like it's sort of that second layer of camaraderie. Right? We all have music in common. Like that's there's so many of us at this point, right? Bands are like right. everywhere. Yeah. But I found that like, and this is a totally different thing, but I found that when I see somebody, I'm like, "Hey, you know, are you friends with Bill?" And they're like, "Oh my, yeah." Like, you know what I mean? It's like an immediate immediate second layer of connection that makes it like, well, at this point, we have more in common with each other than most other people around here do. Right, right. right. And if you want to know, you said, you know, you said, like, it's totally different. And I don't actually believe that it's totally different. I still think it's a level of connection and support that we're craving and needing in that world. Right. Especially if you're a touring artist Mm -hmm. where you're just facing instability day after day after day. Right. To find that sort of one place where you can just sink your teeth into and, and be like, okay, this is my anchor for the day, I think is, um, you know, wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's a lot of why I wanted to put this together for 
for artists of all different kinds. You know, I'm going to try to talk to a lot of different um, artists, but because um, I don't think even if you go to art school, there's sort of no like training for how different a life in the arts of some kind is from like sort of having like a career track job mm-hmm. and the kinds of demoralization that come about from constantly feeling like you're failing because even when you're doing a good job, like a lot of the time you're not making something that's transcendent or as great as you want it to be. You know, right. it's like, so that kind of like, there's so many levels, like whether it's touring, like we did for all those years, it's like nobody prepares you for that. Yeah. That's just a totally different other lifestyle that, you know, so it's like, I want to try and <laughs> gather some stories about like how we can, uh, you know, the kinds of things that we crave after we've done it a long time. Like in this room, you know, we have like 60 plus years of <laughs> touring, you know what I mean? Like that's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. And certain things I think never change. And like that camaraderie and like gathering together and, and talking to each other to find something to get through that day, you know, the way, like whether it's, you know, trading phone dialers to make pay phone right. calls or like, you know, finding a venue that has like laundry in it. Oh my God. Or, and I think this is something we haven't touched on, but I think this is important too. And, and, and this should be the thing that maybe bands vocalize with each other is just not being, not being afraid to share uh, the fact that if a bandmate can intuitively do something good or help another bandmate out on tour, they should. Mm-hmm. And right. they should all the time. And I say that, you know, preaching to myself because, like, I retreat when yeah. I go on that tour. I isolate you. Know, too. I'm yeah. headphones and books and, like, yeah. leave me alone. And really, I should be engaged and sort of also checking in on the people I'm with. And making sure they're okay. We started doing that a little bit at uh-huh. your like you you had brought it up, right. and I think it was like via some other Anthony bands. Green maybe. Maybe I think Anthony told me to try it. Yeah, and it's funny going to like sort of full circle back to like not thinking like band therapy works. This isn't really what we're doing. This isn't therapy. therapy. Yeah. But like what I thought was cool about it is like we would do like we would just call it what checking in or something. Yeah, checking in. And like. It just sort of allowed you a moment to like say how you were feeling, and you didn't have to go like your. It was ne- it was never there was never rules like really made, but like it never became a thing where it's like you are making me feel this way. It was just like I'm sort of feeling like this, and so that people just knew where you were at and right. like whether you needed some an ear or not or. I don't know. I, I found it pretty awesome. Like yeah, and, and you know again that takes practice and it's different than you know. So, okay, so I can actually, this made me think of a, a weird tour story, but, and, and it's sort of all smushed into this conversation, actually, this story. This was new and original, and we were in Cleveland, and it was right after 9-11, and everything was weird. Um, and at this point, I was out, but... You know, clearly, you know, like I said, I never really came out. It wasn't right. like a big party, and I, I never, you know, put out a press release. So maybe no, you know, no not everybody. Article no Pump Planet article. Nothing right. happened. So like, maybe the memo wasn't fully out. Right. So we play our show, and then we uh, we're crashing at someone's house. And so I get to the house, and everybody's sort of putting their sleeping bags out and doing all the things, and I sort of put mine out and sort of watch TV and I'm leaning against the couch and um, the young lady with whom we were staying all of a sudden um, starts sort of like rubbing my shoulders and I'm like 
literally just don't know what to do. Completely <laughs> frozen. I'm just dying inside because I'm like, this is not normal. She, she wants something. <laughs> and then at one point, she even says, oh, you can sleep in my room if you want. And I was like... Uh, no, I mean, I'm pr- I like sleeping on the floor, and, you know, yeah, I just sort of made some weird excuse, and then I, you know, I gave Jonah a look that was basically like SOS, yeah. like, <laughs> and I didn't really know what else to do, and I just got up, and I was like, oh, I gotta use the bathroom or something, and I went into the bathroom, and then when I came back out, everything was fine, she was not doing that anymore. Everything was back to normal, and I was like, oh, okay, and I just sort of like went back into my sleeping bag, and then when she went into her room, I you know, turned to Jonah, and I was like, what did you say? And he goes, actually, all I said to her was, you know, Norman doesn't like to be touched. <laughs> <laughs> Which is true. <laughs> but it was also like what I appreciated about that was one, he had my back. He right. was looking out for me. But two, I think that him outing me to her could have been very embarrassing to her. Right, right. right. And I kind of appreciated the fact that he created this really <laughs> weird way to yeah. get it to stop. <laughs> right. But he got it to stop. He didn't embarrass her beyond the point of comprehension. Right. And, you know, everything was basically normal for the rest of the time. Right. So wow. That's amazing. Yeah, I, that's I have, amazing. Uh, without mentioning names of bands and stuff, but... One tour we did where it was, like, one of the first times we encountered, like, that, like, dumb old sticky pass party tradition where it's just like, oh, there's all these girls that were invited backstage and blah, blah, blah. And I remember um, going just to hang out with everyone and... Uh, this girl starts talking to me and we're having like a good conversation that started off as an aggressive like I'm Canadian and American suck conversation <laughs> I know exactly but then it then it like got to a good place you know yeah. um, and it was a cool thing and it, eventually she turned to me and goes so you want to go to the bus and I was like uh <laughs> I'm, I'm good <laughs> like kind of cracking up like this is hilarious uh-huh. but also socially stressed just like right. oh my god and, and you know like she definitely seemed like insulted and I was like well, what am I supposed to say like, right. you know? long after the conversation ended I found myself returning time and time again to the same point what are we supposed to say to help each other when we work together in close proximity We may feel like we know everything there is to know about one another, and yet there's an entire hidden interior in each of us. One technique that came up during this podcast and that has helped my band Thursday a lot is the idea of checking in with each other daily, especially in high-pressure situations like tour or the studio. All you need to do to check in with each other is to gather together the group, all of you, in one place, sit down, Go around the circle, opening up just a little bit, talking about how you're doing that day, anything that's bothering you, doing your best not to lay blame, but to just talk openly and honestly. With enough practice, you may even learn something about each other. That's all for today. This is Dark Blue. I'm Jeffrey Rickley. Take care.
Osiris. This podcast is in the loop, the Legion of Osiris podcasts. What does that mean? Osiris is a community of great music and culture podcasts. If you like this one, go check out others at osirispod.com and get in the loop. Osiris is partnered with Relics Magazine at relics.com.